Let's say uh, Mother's opening prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, Heavenly Father. Divine Mother. Divine Mother. Beloved Jesus Christ. Beloved Jesus Christ. Blessed Master. Blessed Master. Dearest Mother. Dearest Mother. Beloved David. Beloved David. Saints and sages of all religions. Saints and sages of all religions. I bow to all of you. I bow to all of you. Free my life from all obstacles. Free my life from all obstacles. And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development. And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development. Make my mind thy temple. Make my mind thy temple. Make my heart thy altar. Make my heart thy altar. Make my love thy home. Make my love thy home. Be thou the only king. Be thou the only king. Reigning on the throne of my consciousness. Reigning on the throne of my consciousness. a short meditation.
many of you know this is um, the um, 101st year after Papa's Sanya's Day, December 27th, 1922. I'm going to read a few things about from the Bible, and then we have a, a um, oh, I forget what it's called. It's called an Ashravashan from one of the people from Chinmaya Mission. It's quite beautiful. that We heard uh, last year, the year before. This is from Matthew 23, 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. In Matthew 12, 50, for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. In Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And um, I'm going to start with a uh, mother uh, had the first memorial service for Papa in uh, 1963. He passed in July 25th in that year. And Mother had a talk that she gave on the uh, August 19th, quite a few, three, almost three weeks later. I've always wondered why that happened that long, but she was in, she might have been traveling or on vacation. But this is an excerpt of uh, what Mother thought about Papa. Many of the things that, that Mother says about Papa you've heard before, and so Kate and I were looking for things that hadn't been heard. And it seemed like almost everything we came up with regarding Mother talking about Papa um, had been covered either in the books or in fairly recently. This is a sweet little ending of her talk in August 19, 1963. All paths left to Papa. Remember that he never took initiation from anybody but God. He never gave anybody the title of Swami. He was too humble, too childlike, too surrendered to God to do this. He saw no difference in any creed. All were welcome at his feet to worship his beloved Father God, his beloved Rath. What a tremendous thing, no matter who the guru was, what the faith was, what the denomination, somehow all were attracted to him. Why? Because of the tremendous love of God which he poured forth equally upon all. This is what drew them, this power of love. There was no backbiting, no proselyting. I remember how many times that he wrote, or that he put in the magazine at my request things that my own master, my own guru had written. What universality, what universality. All were rock. Everyone wrote whatever they felt about God and it was published in his little magazine called The Vision. How many do that? How many do that? 
To him, the world was God, and God was equally present everywhere. And he knew that each one took that which was his own. He followed that path, that way, that guru, which he himself was ready for. But that one was welcome, just as welcome to Papa as all the rest. He talked about all paths, all faiths, all masters, and they were all expressions of the infinite beloved. All of us could pattern our lives after him. He gave me a sense of universality, a knowledge that God was equally present, that his hand was working everywhere. He said to me one time, you know, when you get up there, you will not know the difference between good and evil. I am still aware, and yet I am not aware. Because I see God working in every way, through every expression, even through that which seems to be evil, because ultimately, through the sorrow and the suffering it causes, it results in good. Let us lift our hearts and our minds to God and keep them there. Let us worship Him forever. Become one with Him. Become one with Him. What bliss, what wonder, what glory it is to be one with the Father. May God forever bless Papa for all that he's done for all of us. Because there is not one in this room nor one of those in the world whom he has touched who has not been influenced in some way for good and for God. So let us offer up the gratitude of our hearts and our worship to God in Him and hold His memory forever sacred. May His blessing be upon us all. And now I'd like to play a talk that was given by Tejo Mayananda from uh, Chinmaya Mission, one of the many what are called Ashravashans that were done uh, on, the, on the 22nd of December 2022. He's a very sweet man. I hope you can see that. Greetings from Sandipani Sadhanalaya, Mumbai. Om Sri Rama Jai Rama Jai Jai Ram. In this world, we have only two friends who are totally selfless, genuinely well-wishing and wholeheartedly loving. One is Bhagwan and the other is his devotee, Bhakta. 
this bhakta can be a grihastha santa a householder saint or a sanyasi guru blessed indeed are the devotees of the ananda ashram who have found these two friends in bhagwan shri ram and the most revered beloved papa ramdas swami he was truly a great sanyasi in every respect endowed with shraddha bhakti jnana vairagya and loving service to all beings it is a matter of great joy that the ananda ashram is celebrating the centenary year of his sanyas day i pay my most respectful shraddhanjali to him papa invoking his blessings on one and all i wish this centenary celebration a great success under the inspiring leadership and guidance of pooja swami muktanand ji om shri ram jai ram jai jai ram om shri ram jai ram jai jai ram hard to beat that isn't it And I'd like to read um, from the book by Papa, In Divi- The Divine Life. And the title of this um, page is World Problem. <clears throat> world Problem. The world is in the throes of a great change. In recent times, we have been observing that the affairs of mankind are undergoing almost kaleidoscopic transformations with the accumulated effect of that a great and most far-reaching change is seen in the horizon of the near future. Civilization, through the help of the wonderfully rapid progress of science, has reached its zenith, only creating in the world a spirit of restlessness, strife, and acute anguish. Man's vision is inevitably diverting from the ephemeral interest of life towards its eternal values. Men of awakened consciousness, awakened to the supreme purpose and glory of life, are coming forward to lead the future. It is evident that men of gigantic and highly cultured intellect have failed to find a solution to the world problem which faces them today. Within the range of physical and intellectual spheres has been explored to work out a program of peace and goodwill in the world. But the conditions of things have run and taken a shape which does not admit of a solution even by the aid of the highest workings of the intellect. The hunger of mankind for rest and peace has now assumed such tremendous proportions that nothing short of a cataclysmic and electric application of a remedy is essential. The real peace and harmony are at last discovered to be not attainable by the adjustment of affairs merely on the surface. 
and that a new world and a new age of peace, amity, and goodwill are things of the spirit, are the offspring of a spiritual experience, are the outcome of a knowledge of man's existence as an immortal spirit and life. Man has been so groping on the surface and in the dark, and hence he has come by nothing but misery, dissension, pain, and ill will. What are now the eternal values of, the, of life by the proper understanding of which the problem of a world in agony can be solved? The first and the foremost thing which the world has to recognize is the supreme unity of all life that exists in it. The apparent diversity perceived in the lower and phenomenal aspects of its existence has at its basis the supreme unity of a deathless, indwelling reality. Man's real mission in the world is to attain a knowledge of this truth and live in the light of it. Indeed, true harmony is born of the everlasting truth. This great truth which permeates, upholds, and keeps together the innumerable worlds in the infinite bosom of the universe is a fact, a fact realized in complete fulfillment and perfection by many a great soul of the past and the present. They have raised and are still raising their united voice, calling upon humanity to understand, realize and actualize the beauty and glory of this supreme mystery. A wave of skepticism, doubt and despair is passing over the world and a spirit of godlessness has seized a vast majority of mankind. This is as it should be, and the condition is preeminently necessary and desirable, from skepticism to faith, from doubt to certainty, from despair to hope, and realization is a short step. From the tumultuous churning of life alone comes the nectar of peace and true happiness. Through struggle, tribulation, and turmoil alone can man understand and experience the magnificence of life eternal. The end of the darkest night is the revealment of a bright and glorious day. So the great dawn for world unity and peace is ahead. The world is shaking off its belief in things of passing moment and awakening to the consciousness of, of eternity. The voice of sages is heard and their work has started. The thirst of man has found the ambrosia to quench it. The power of God is asserting, breaking up the uncrustations of a deep laid ignorance. The world is awake and is safe in the hands of men of the highest eminence who are inspired with the spirit of God. God has come down to live and talk with men. The hunger will cease. The thirst will be appeased. Harmony and peace will settle upon the troubled earth. The God of peace does triumph. Papa had the divine vision. He tells mother that there will be, you will not be able to see good or evil. But just the working of the divine will in its many, many ways and, and forms.
I often think of how mother must have felt or must have reacted to meeting Papa after having been prepared uh, to know things of the spirit by her own guru. She was then prepared to meet a saint and to know him because she felt lifted up in the spirit. She felt something special coming into her life. She continued to write to Swami, to Papa after he left to go back to India. And he, and she um, kept him on his, on her mind a lot. She was deeply affected by meeting Papa and Madhuji and Swamiji. And there were two others, um, Lalita Devi, I believe, and Sagarlal Gupta, who paid for the trip and traveled with them. Hope I have those right. Mother felt that he had come, he had made that trip just to get her. She felt the pull. She felt the certainty that he had something that she needed, that he had the, he, his existence, his life on earth his, as an, as an avatar yeah, of a sort. He was fully realized. And she knew that. She sensed it. And that she, he could give to her guidance, but also help of a spiritual nature. She learned to trust him. And this is what saints do. You trust them immediately. You never feel like you're being examined. You never feel like you're being examined in such a way as to disparage you or to think poorly of you. Because if they do uh, look at you, they do examine you. It has no sense of ego associated with it. It has no agenda that the guru or the teacher or the saint uh, has of his own of his own will or her will. Mother was very much that way. Swami Satchidananda was that way too. You felt safe with him. Even your secrets, which he, you knew that he had some knowledge of inwardly. We are all open books to great teachers. But they see many, many people. And we needn't worry that they're going to see some dark secret of ours and think poorly of us, but rather... They see these uh, things that we are struggling with and not doing well with as things that concern them. And saints will offer help if they can.
Sometimes the person needs to know that they're loved, that they're seen. And during the darkest times, when the most difficult times, this can be the memory of meeting a great saint anyway, can revisit you, you and you can revisit the experience and the memory and gain something from it. Darshan is so important to have the, the exposure of your self and your to a guru or teacher to gain some small piece of great peace. These are tremendously beneficial things and they accumulate in our life. We never know why. What is the mystery of people who miss this stuff and who walk by not going into meet Ramakrishna, Lahiri Mahasya, Babaji, possibly, Sri Yukteswar, Master, So that's important too, the darshan, uh, going after darshan. If you're truly looking for a guru also, darshan is a wonderful thing to expose yourself to that guru. And then you'll know, then you'll find out if that is your teacher, that is your guru. Things will come together. Circumstances, sometimes. Sometimes it's of your own will and your desire. Mother had to be talked into meeting Master for the first time. And he awakened in her that great self, that great self that had attained much in previous lifetimes and had much to do for Master. Master had to prepare her, <clears throat> and she had to live through a very difficult time. And it had much reward and much difficulty. Without difficulty, the ego is set on the shelf. Now, sometimes this is needed. We need to rest. We need to catch our breath. We need to gain some perspective. But when we are strong enough and we reach out for the highest, God says, for some reason, that what you think you're asking for is different than what you will find. So we imagine maybe great things, 
We imagine things that would gratify the ego, perhaps. And that's, of course, there can lots of painful experiences will come from misunderstanding what it is we are about. We are not this body. We are a soul. And we are the result of many lifetimes spent in the higher realms or we wouldn't be on this path. We've spent many lifetimes thinking about these things, mulling them over, moving forward, gaining understanding, We are all the result of a crafting of God's hammer, sculpting that which he wants to produce. Ultimately, you find that you cannot see any distinction between yourself and others. You come to know that only God exists. Only God. There is only God. God is all there is. Everywhere I look, I see only God. Everything I hear, I hear only God. I know only this, that there is only God. Call no one father, Matthew says. No man father, or your father, there is only one. But that is your true self also. The idea of having great wisdom and being a father to all mankind is what we are, is what, is who we are. We shouldn't feel distant from him, but we should not confuse anything else, anyone else, as a father or mother either, except God. This is all talk, what Papa called tall talk. 
interesting that Papa was writing in the uh, part that I read of in uh, the Divine Life, which book is one you can pick up and open randomly. And it is a, it's probably his greatest single writing. Because it is what he felt that he was born to do, was to write such a thing. As well as many other things, of course. But he was born to do it. He was prepared for it. He spoke perfect English and wrote perfect English. He used the language to formulate thoughts that proceeded from this completely flat and perfect plane that was his mind. in which everything was distinguishable and readily seen for what it truly is. But did he write that during World War II? It's possible, because it was pretty dire what he was saying, but he knew what it was for. And I remind myself and everyone that this great Kundalini crucifixion experience that um, we wish to go through with no worries. It's the means of of emancipation and salvation. That this is something that can be individualized, but some of the worst of it can be. And from what Papa said to Mother, uh, war and such things as war are the means by which many souls gain the step up of the insistence from the mind to disconnect from the notion that that I am the body idea. Only that perspective, only that perspective that you gain from war can be the way that is solved for many people. These are the battles of Armageddon and battle of Kurukshetra. And they can be gotten through many different ways. But the results should always be seen as an uplift in a higher state of consciousness, not morose or depressed, but a higher state of consciousness. Mother said, it's a schizophrenic-like experience that you come out of, and when you come out of it, you are uh, changed by it. And what is it that is changed? It's the notion of who you are in stages, in steps, where you finally complete the path, complete the thought that realized, oh, I never was that person born on a certain day. I have always been. 
Why is that so important to get to? Because it is the only means presented by the saints with knowledge of such things. The only means by which we can gain the peace and tranquility that we seek, that we want. And you know, it's not just those things. It's satisfaction also. Not in the ego sense, but rather full knowledge with God that this is this was a path that I wanted to take. I wanted to have this experience, but I want to come out. But when we want to come out, we shouldn't impose any requirements on God for what that means. We want to know the truth. We don't want to get to a place that is a fake version of that. A fool's gold, as Mother teaches. We don't want to have the world that we think we do. When we're presented with the real circumstances that are driving things in here, when we are presented with what's really going on, then, then we say, uh, I know this. This is right. It's difficult to know and to understand the state of consciousness of Papa and Mother and, and Master. But they do tell us what it is. And we think it's only owned by them. And it probably will come to us as we gain altitude in the spiritual path. It really will probably be different as we get there. But the state, the final state attained, the state from which one cannot fall, that state is the same for all. Because there is no other state in reality that's real, that's true. And I know I say this too much, but it is existence itself. It is the idea that I have always lived 
that this cosmic dance is only a piece of my true self, my true experience. And it's something that we enter into willingly. But the vastness of the reality, the simple simplicity of the reality, is pointed to by a mother saying that God wiggled his little toe and that that brought curiosity. These are ways of the mind to talk about these things. But why do we exist? I don't mean exist as a human being. What is this secret wrapped up in existence itself? How can we apprehend it? The idea that um, the mind is like a pair of tongs is really apt. It's a good analogy that the mind can pick up things and examine them. But the one thing that tongs cannot do is pick up themselves. I know that seems trivial in a way. But um, we try to, we like these ideas that force ourselves to go beyond this simple notion of the mind being able to think its way through this. Once the state is attained, the mind is wonderful at explaining that which has been attained. But it cannot be explained to someone who has not attained it. And so our teachers give us analogies, they point to us. But what we have to do is recognize that whatever it is that picks up those tongs, whatever it is that experiences all the things that it does experience, you can't separate the mind from life. The mind's always part of it. So we then get to know the weakness, the limits of the mind. And the idea that there are limits is itself an idea. But it does point in the direction for the self to move forward ideally. This is why Mother talks so much about what difficulties it is to get through this Gordian knot sometimes is taught about that way and talked about that way. 
she's so insistent that those who came to her, who claim to know, claim to want to have the highest teaching, none of us measure up completely. When they first, when you first meet the guru, you struggle with what the guru is saying and comparing it to your own life and the circumstances of your life, and you can't see your way out of it. But the dawning comes. The inner guru shows the way. And there's no tongues then. There's no ideas. There's only experience. There's only consciousness. It's 8.30 almost. So let's say our closing prayer. Please pray with me. O Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, I feel the wonder and the beauty. I feel the wonder and the beauty. Of thy glorious presence. Of thy glorious presence. In every part of my being. In every part of my being. My heart is bursting with my love for thee. My heart is bursting. I kneel in adoration at thy feet. I kneel in adoration at thy feet. And surrender myself to thee. Surrender myself to thee. I feel the power of thy perfection. I feel the power of thy perfection. Surging in every cell of my body. Surging in every cell of my body. My mind and my intelligence. My mind and my intelligence are radiant with thy healing light. Are radiant with thy healing light. My soul is filled with the ecstasy and bliss. My soul is filled with the ecstasy and bliss. Of my communion with thee. My communion with thee. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Blessed Spirit, I am he. Blessed Spirit, I am he. Oh, 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 peace, bless, bless.